rumors are terrible and cruel, but they're true. Yeah, that's my question. Interesting, because I don't know how that can be read in a heterosexual way. Welcome to the Archers. That was our amazing submission for our theme song from Unicorn Fluff 33 on Twitter, aka Betty's Garden. Thank you so much, Unicorn Fluff 33, for sending that in. It was Thank you so, so much. We loved it. We loved it for those uh, listening along. Um, we were dancing. Uh, it was uh, really quite the bop. And it was so cute hearing our little clips. Oh, I loved that. No. Oh, yeah thank you so much it's so good it's so cute it's exactly what we wanted without us actually knowing what we wanted but that was it yeah <laughs> exactly so if you have a little theme song that you'd like us to play send it on over to us at our twitter you can dm it to us or email at the archerspod at gmail.com and mm-hmm. we will very happily play it for our next episode um, welcome to the Archers, you guys. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Evermore. I'm Madison, half of your co-hosts. I'm Katie, the other half. If you are a patron, we are uploading our Seven Husbands little episode this week. So look forward to that. It should be up by the time you hear this. Uh, yeah, today we're going to talk about Evermore. Evermore is like, I feel like in the past few weeks maybe months there's been like a pretty big nomination and acceptance of evermore as like for lesbians and like for gay for gay girls Mm -hmm. like evermore is the gay girl album yeah it totally is between this and reputation i would say these are those are the two most gay albums of hers in my humble opinion um (laughs) i mean gayness truly queerness cannot be quantified of course exactly yes but yeah evermore is nominated for a grammy for album of the year which is amazing um the grammys have been pushed back but this episode is sort of just to celebrate evermore's nomination um celebrate the album it's one of my favorites i don't know about you katie again i don't rank my albums though because it's hard but (laughs) yeah evermore is definitely it's really hard i'm one of those people that's you know this is a little controversial and I'm not exactly proud of it, but I'm one of those people that really have folklore and evermore as albums in my head, like together, like they're inseparable for me. Mm. And I know that's very controversial, especially with evermore truthers, evermore like lovers, because evermore is so frequently in the shadow of folklore. But that said, like they are, it is kind of like an A side and a B side for me Mm. like they really are truly sister albums folklore and evermore have a really special place like in my heart like honestly I love reputation and I think after listening to all of Taylor's albums reputation probably is my number one you know I and I always realize that when I see those Twitter graphics that's like you can only save one um Uh. or like you have to sit at a lunch table and if the lunch table was like reputation plus 800 albums that I hate 
and then another table was the rest of Taylor's albums, I would choose the reputation one because the idea of not listen not being able to listen to reputation for me it's like I can't I can't do it so reputation's like in a league of its own but I think that my like afterwards Mm -hmm. folklore evermore are like really like a package deal Mm -hmm. and like the creme de la creme for me just so so good and I think the big reason I feel that way is because my wife and I got into Taylor after Evermore came out and Lizzie fell in love with Evermore. Mm -hmm. She didn't connect that much to folklore. And then Evermore came out and she was like, this is my album. Mm -hmm. And that album is really crucial to her. And her love for it made me realize how much I loved folklore. So I'm like, we talk all the time how I'm a folklore girl and she's an Evermore girl. But then on Twitter, Everyone is like, Evermore is the gay sister and Folklore is the straight sister. And I'm like, no, I'm gay. I don't want to be the straight one. Yeah, um, no. Yeah. So I anyhow. disagree with that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Folklore has the love triangle. Like, it's still gay. Yeah. It's super it's gay. Not it has as, seven. It's like, super gay. I, for some reason, I will admit, sometimes in my head, I think Folklore is not that gay. And then I listen to it and I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. I'm like, Evermore is just a little more like outwardly gay, in my opinion. I think yeah. Folklore has more subtext. Definitely. I mean, Evermore has gold rush first of all the fact that we asked on spotify i was just what is the gayest song i'm glad we have to go over these answers i tried i pinned a bunch of them so you can hopefully go see still i i just could not believe how no one was agreed like there was no unanimous answer for what the gayest song on evermore is you and i talked about it when we were about Mm -hmm. to do this question and we agreed gold rush is probably the gayest between me and you and then hardly anyone responded gold rush. I know. That's Which why I had is, to pin like the one person that did. Because I was like, okay, yeah. well, that's what Madison and I said. <laughs> I mean, I wish I would have organized this so we could get like a count. But there were 38 right. responses. Yeah. And I would say probably only like three or four of them included gold rush. Yeah. And that is shocking. So the top two were, I think Ivy was number one. And Cowboy Like Me. They were Cowboy Like Me was number, yeah, exactly. They were very, very close. Mm -hmm. So then it went Gold Rush, I think. Yeah. And then were there any other ones? Tolerate It. Tolerate It was on there a few times too. You're right. Tolerate It was on there. Someone even said Happiness, which is really interesting. Oh, that's Um, so interesting. Which I would totally agree, but I wonder I if wouldn't have Gatsby even thought fam. of them. <laughs> Someone responded seven. I love you. That's not on Evermore. <laughs> <laughs> Only like two people said Dorothea. How did I forget about Dorothea? Dorothea! Okay, so that's the thing. Like with Evermore, you can't be like, what's the gayest song? Whereas I think on Folklore, you can be like, what's the gayest song? Because so much of it is like... Folklore's queer because Taylor's queer. Right. And because we're queer, like it's inherently sapphic because it's like you don't have to name actual like gay activities for a song to be queer. It's just like the vibe is sapphic. So folklore as an album, the vibe is so sapphic. Mm -hmm. But then evermore is like every song is like, I'm gay. (laughs) 
Yeah. Evermore, she just like literally came out, which, yeah, I mean, you could say she came out way long ago, but yeah, I remember the first time I heard Evermore, I don't remember if I listened to it in order, but I do remember hearing Gold Rush and I was like, okay, so I'm not crazy. I was like, the Gaylers aren't crazy. She's out. And that was kind of my like green light. And I was like, no, no, we're, we're right. I'm not just like making things up. And then of course I got to Dorothea and I was like, oh, (laughs) she just came out then like friend of Dorothy, like, hello, which we will get to, but I'm really glad that we are discussing both folklore and evermore, even though I know this is supposed to be an evermore episode, technically it just, they really do go together. And Taylor has said herself you know they're just like sister albums and you can't really have one without the other I think it was it was either Aaron or Jack that called Evermore like folklore's rambunctious sister or something like that and I love that like Evermore really is just the unhinged like (laughs) yeah and you know when we did our Emily Dickinson episode um our literary reference episode we mentioned how Sue and Emily are sisters for all intents and purposes. Sister-in-laws, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like legally, yeah, that was like a very palatable way for them to be able to be close. For Folklore and Evermore to be referred to so often as sister albums, it's like, what does that word sister even really mean? Yeah, I feel like for so often too, like sister is such a tongue-in-cheek way of like sapphic couples to be able to be in public. Mm -hmm. Um, Platonic relationships between women are so valued um, and have always been valued. And Mm -hmm. so it's just very interesting, like thinking of them as sisters and like the real like lesbian past of, of what that means. I mean, I'm even thinking of La Vie Boheme from Rent when, mm. um, like, the real estate developer that's in the restaurant with them is like, why are they kissing? Oh my God, I can't believe I can't remember their names. Anyways, but the lesbian couple are like, oh, we're sisters. And then they, like, really make out. And he's like, sisters? <laughs> like, it, it just keeps repeating, like, oh, they're, what? So, yeah, yeah. just very gay, that word in general. So yeah, to start off talking about Evermore, I want to read some parts of Taylor's letter when she released Evermore, um, which she did the same thing with Folklore. Lots of weird little hidden messages in there. They're still on her Instagram if you want to read the whole thing. But I took some bits and pieces that I thought were important just to talk about on this podcast. So she says that she had a choice to either turn back or travel further into the forest of this music. She's referencing folklore. She had a choice to either turn back or travel more into the folklore universe mm. era, which I love that she describes it as a forest, this music. Yeah. Also interesting that she says travel further into the forest, but the album covers were standing outside of the woods. And so much of the imagery is being above the trees. Mm-hmm. And out of it now. Also just like folklore nevermore have so many callbacks to out of the woods, which mm-hmm. I would interpret as a song about being in the closet or bearding and like trying to get out of the public eye in order to like live her private gay life um so then she says i loved the escapism i found in these imaginary slash not imaginary tales another thing she does in folklore she's like these are myths but they're also real these are about people in my life but also not about people in my life a very easy way for her to toe the line of i'm not actually singing about women because it's imaginary slash not imaginary in her caption for her evermore announcement she says but well i had so much fun creating these songs with aaron desner 
Jack Antonoff, WB, and Justin Vernon. WB, which at, the, at this point, everyone knew that she had said William Bowery was Joe Alwyn in Long yeah. Pond Sessions. So the fact that she's yeah. still choosing to say WB. How long after Long Pond Sessions did she drop Evermore? Because I remember it being like, I think it was all during Sagittarius season. Yeah, she dropped Long Pond around Thanksgiving, I believe. And then she dropped Evermore on her on birthday. On the 11th. Well, on no. Emily Dickinson's Emily's birthday. Birth- yeah, right. The weekend of her birthday. Yeah. Actually yeah. on Emily Dickinson's birthday. <laughs> yeah. So just a couple weeks after Long Pond, actually, mm-hmm. which is super interesting. Um, she also said, we've welcomed some new and longtime friends to our musical kitchen table this time around. I mean, Aaron, Jack, and Justin were on Folklore. So she's referring to, I assume, Marcus Mumphrey, who was background vocals in Cowboy Like Me. He's from the band Mumford and Sons. Is, yeah, a very interesting connection. Very interesting for Taylor to be asking favors of a member of Mumford and Sons. Yeah. And I also love that she says musical kitchen table. Because this is just kind of a side. I don't think it's relevant. But in polyamory, there's a term called kitchen table polyamory, which is like a practice of polyamory where you expect all of your partners to be able, they don't have to like all be together by any means or friends, but everyone should be able to sit at a kitchen table and have dinner together, like is kind of the dynamic of that. That is so interesting. That reminds me a lot of, I love that it's called kitchen table polyamory. It reminds me a lot of um, this idea of ministry called pie ministry where the idea is when you meet someone you don't ask what can you do for us you give them pie and you're like this is us giving something to you yeah like that's you will exactly exactly like it's not about taking or uh, like receiving and giving it's literally just about giving and I love that that's like what it's it, like the metaphor like a welcoming hospitality metaphor for a type of relationship right it feels so lovely yes and of um, course hearing that in Taylor reminds me of kitchen uh, living room dancing and kitchen table bills yeah <laughs> yeah just kitchen table bills in her <laughs> it wasn't a mansion you guys <laughs> If we can get one thing straight, it wasn't a mansion. (laughs) If you take anything away from this podcast episode today, I want it to be that Taylor Swift did not grow up in a mansion. It was not a mansion. It was only a giant two-story house on a giant chunk of land with a giant staircase. Yes, there was a foyer. Yes. No, it wasn't. But there was also a kitchen table with bills on it. And dancing in the living room. And dancing in the living room. There was no million dollar couch. There was no organic shoes. (laughs) Nary a single indie music concert was attended. Not even a gated community or a silver spoon in sight. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We're like in the craziest mood right now. Obsessed. Also, I am not implying that Taylor Swift is in a polyamorous kitchen table dynamic relationship with Mumford and Sons mm. or with Marcus from Mumford and Sons. I'm just saying that something oh. I noticed. Yeah, Anyways. I think it's a very interesting thing to look into. And you know what it also <laughs> just reminds me of? How Taylor Swift's favorite word is divorcee. Oh, yes. 
Yeah. I say that because I, I'm just thinking of how Mumford and Sons, like one of them recently got divorced. That's why I say that. Yeah. Yeah. Around the yeah. time that folklore. Yeah. That's okay. A, that's anyways, interesting connection. Total aside. Um, so, <laughs> so also she said, I have no idea what will come next. I have no idea about a lot of things these days. And so I've clung to the one thing that keeps me connected to you all. More of just like her sadness. Our girl's uh, always sad. I know. I love her so much. I feel bad for making fun of her about the mansion. But I know. Sorry we made fun of you. Sorry, Taylor. Taylor I know you, you. I know you listen. You know, we know you're I'm sorry. A, a huge fan, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, Taylor, we are huge fans of you. So sorry we're a little mean. Yeah. That's we a have very to be critical thing. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. I don't actually feel that bad. Um, but it's just that that little like the thing that connects me to you guys. Remember when she just started her TikTok and one of the first videos she posted was all of her fans and like touring and it was the sometimes all I think about is you. Oh, yeah. Taylor. Yeah, that was really sweet and, and sad. She's like, yeah. I'm bored. I miss you guys. Like, what an interesting thing. Like, obviously, she has her own, like, privilege when it comes to quarantining. And, like, she had it a lot easier than everyone does in this pandemic. But it's really a very stark difference to go from, like, performing for thousands of people in an arena to literally being alone for a year or more. You know? Like, I can't imagine that much of a contrast, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So then this is the part that... I found so interesting, which led me down like a whole other rabbit hole. Mm. She said, before I knew it, there were 17 tales, some of which are mirrored or intersecting with one another. So then I realized, which I realized this kind of a while ago, but I never had the time or energy to lay it all out. There are 17 tracks on Folklore and Evermore on the deluxe versions, 17 in total on both. What I've done (laughs) is I made a spreadsheet and I put all the songs from Folklore and Evermore on it. The past couple days, I have been looking for the connections, deciding which ones are mirrored or intersecting, Mm. deciding which ones were connected. And I found some very interesting things. So as we go through each of the songs, we will kind of unpack which ones are really clearly continuations of stories from Folklore, mirrored stories from Folklore, maybe from another Mm. perspective where we think they might interlap overlap like it's very interesting it, it feels like evermore like colors in a lot of the stories which no pun intended with those album covers I mean folklore's black and white and evermore is in color, color so yeah but it really does feel like evermore just like colors in like the outline she drew in mm. folklore I guess yeah. yeah that's true I mean I-, I love what you just said about um how it could really just be from other perspectives same story different Mm -hmm. perspective um what an interesting thing for her to do yeah and I was so happy you made the spreadsheet that you did because reading it and making those connections some of them you know as I as we'll talk about like I had made before but to see it all lined up like that I was like I really feel like she's giving us a treasure map here yeah yeah, like yeah. I really feel like she's giving us a very fun game to yes. play and figure out with these. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, and also for listeners right now who are a little sad that we're talking about folklore so much with Evermore, um, we definitely have 
plans to do episodes in the future breaking down like single songs Mm -hmm. uh from you know different albums so we can always do like a separate cowboy like me episode in the future so don't feel like this is the last time we're going to talk about evermore we're not going to pull a taylor and never talk about evermore again it's like crucial to both of us in our understanding of taylor so exactly and if anything the way that taylor ignores this middle child evermore makes me want to talk about it more so exactly (laughs) me as well me as well um but this is definitely just more so to celebrate Evermore's nomination. And yeah, um, even though the Grammys are delayed now, kind of indefinitely, we've had this planned and I love Evermore. And I'm really sad that Taylor ignored its anniversary. So here is us making that up for you in the way that we can on Taylor's behalf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you have anything else that you want to say just in general about Evermore before we go into like song by song? I love Taylor's hair for this album. Oh, I love that you say that. She's a big hair inspiration for me. Her hair is really thick and wavy Mm -hmm. and I just love her bangs and I love her style. I made a sim of Taylor and I like downloaded a bunch of custom content to get her like flannel coat and stuff. And yeah, I just really love this Taylor so much. So that's all I have to say about it. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So... This opening track, we have Ms. Willow. Miss Willow. Ms. Willow. Yeah. Should we get out our Evermore rankings that we did? Oh. When we rank we the songs? Like go through each song and be like, this was number da 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 on mine. I remember I had to ask you how people were doing it because I literally broke out an Excel sheet and started ranking them myself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, I found mine. Um, so as we go through each song, me and Katie are going to tell you guys where they fell in our ranking. Um, yes. And we did these rankings back in December, but they, mm-hmm. of course, th- they're always changing for me. So this is just where I was in December, kind of still where I am with it. Um, mm-hmm. And Willow falls as number 12 on mine. And Willow falls as number two on mine. Oh my goodness, what a stark difference. Uh, yeah, so I love Willow. I love the song Willow. I find, I find it so soothing. The way that it begins, like, just that guitar is so, like, it makes me feel like a little fairy in a forest. Yes. Oh, the Grammy's performance when it transitioned into Willow at the end, like, and it was all three of them. And uh, it picked Aaron, up Jack, a lot. And, and it picked up. Oh, mm-hmm. so good. And that little, like, woodland house, like, that's what Willow is to me. Yeah. I really, really love that song. The most cottage core, like, in the forest, dancing around the fire. Yeah. Like, I also love, you mentioned like the guitar. I was listening to it earlier today and I also love the little piano that's like dun, 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 like in the background mm, yes. and like certain little parts. It sounds so magical. Like, yeah, it does. It, it does. sounds like little sparks like floating yeah. around. Um, I really feel like a fairy listening to it. And yeah. Mariner's Apartment Complex by Lana Del Rey has the line, I'm your man. And so when she said that's my man I was like what a beautiful pairing these two songs together of Mm -hmm. Lana Del Rey saying I'm your man and then Taylor Swift saying that's my man 
I don't actually ship those two together, as I'll yeah. say to anyone who will listen. Like, I don't want them to go near each other. But I <laughs> did love the Colin response. I really did. I also don't want those two anywhere near each other. <laughs> but we've talked about this. Another very weird coincidence that we both have mm. in common is that Mariner's Apartment Complex is, like, one of our all-time favorite songs. Yeah, core being songs. Like, yeah. such a crazy coincidence. And... I also, yeah. when the first time I heard the song, I thought of Mariner's Mermaid Complex. And I was like, ah, yeah. which brings us to the fact that that's my man sounds like just like sarcasm to me almost, or like a bearded mm. pronoun, I guess, is how Emily Dickinson would describe it. <laughs> well, I really thought that at the beginning too. Um, and then something about the 90s trend remix of the song, mm. which is my all like I would say probably my second favorite Taylor remix of any song like across all albums oh wow is the 90s trend remix of it something about that edit made everything click into place of she's saying every bait and switch was a work of art and then an example of a bait and switch is that's my man like every time I said, that's my man. Uh, Like, I was actually talking about you, a girl. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just something about that version and hearing it. It was like I had this huge epiphany wash over me. And I could really hear how, how sarcastic and, like, sapphic and, like, sexy it was. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I have to be honest. I don't think I've heard the 90s trend remix since it came out. But mm-hmm. now I want to re-listen to it because some yeah sometimes the remixes do make you kind of hear lines differently. So the same with the Seab remix of Delicate, uh, which is my all-time favorite Taylor Swift remix. I don't remix. know that one. Yeah, so so Seab S E E B is the mm-hmm. remix, and like it's on Spotify and everywhere. It repeats to the girls back home touch you like I do over and over and over it turns the chorus into do the girls back home touch you like I do Do, I need that it's heaven it's heaven on earth it's really heaven like it that when I did not like when I was you know quote-unquote did not like Taylor Swift did not like her the Seab Delicate remix was on all playlists that I made because it's like I was like it turned it into a sapphic song and now that yeah. I love Taylor, I'm like, it didn't really need to turn it into one, but it is like, it just hits different. It's right. so good. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so intrigued by that. And of yeah. course, yeah. While we're on the topic of Willow remixes, there was the yes. 90s Fred remix, <laughs> the Dancing Witch remix, the Lonely Witch remix. Um, the Elvira remix, right? I, that was one of the witch ones. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. Which is so interesting because it's like witches themselves are already kind of sapphic um oh yeah so love that and I love that you also say it makes you feel like a fairy and the way that Taylor has sort of ingrained that it is a song about like magic and it's very like witchy in and of itself because I looked up the symbolism of like a willow tree and what I found is so interesting it says because willow you think of weeping willow you think like sad Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which is a whole other thing I don't know it's it's interesting but what I found on this website 
kind of geared more towards like paganism, willow symbolism, I guess. It says willow encourages the expression of deeply buried feelings, easing sadness, tears, grieving, and teaching the consequences of love and loss and matters of the heart. Wow. That's so, that's so beautiful. The expression of buried feelings. I also found out willow trees usually only grow near water. Another, um, you know how people say there's going to be Woodvale or Lakeshore or another album like themed around water or ships or something. I think that's really funny. If her like in the woods and folklore, out of the woods and evermore, making her way to the shore. I love that concept, even if there's not a third album. She also says that's my man 13 times. Wow, 13 times. Like classic. Okay. Another thing I love about this, and I, w- I want to hear your thoughts on like what you think this means. I mm. always love hearing Willow when she says, and if it was an open shut case, I never would have known from the look on your face. And then later on, she says, now this is an open shut case. I guess I should have known from the look on your face. Yeah. It almost so feels like two separate things she's talking I, about. She is talking about two separate things. Right. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I, that's yeah. how I've always taken it. I honestly don't. It's such a coy song. Like, mm. it's so flirtatious and like just meeting someone. Like, it truly, like, that's why, even though it's That's My Man, back when I heard it and I was like, you know, for the first time, I was like, Joe Alwyn and Taylor Swift are in love with each other. I was still right. like, what a like new love song this feels like. Mm-hmm. Like, it does not feel like I've been in a relationship with this person for five years. It's like you're kind of just playing like cat and mouse, um, mm-hmm. to borrow a phrase. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. It just, it's very coy and flirtatious. It's not mm-hmm. solid. Another yeah. thing about willows that I've always been fascinated with is that their roots are like the most shallow tree roots. And right. it's because they don't get it from the earth. They get it from the water that they grow mm-hmm. near. And like, so the fact that willows represent deeply buried secrets and deeply buried feelings is so crazy because they're shallow roots. So it's that irony again that mm-hmm. Taylor loves playing with of like yeah. opposite meanings and yeah. Right, right. I feel like when that part in the song where she says it kind of switches and it goes wait for the signal and I'll meet you like mm-hmm. it like switches so much I think I feel like that's where it shifts and it's like the beginning is like quote unquote about the relationship she's in now and then at the end or near that part is where it switches into like but then I'm sneaking off at night and I'm doing something completely different yes like yeah but then it's after dark and I'm I'm sneaking in and I'm you know like uh-huh wait for the signal and now this is an open shut case yeah you know yeah I feel like there's a lot of songs of hers where I feel like she's singing about two different people at the same time or circumstances at the same time and I think that's what she means by bait and switch also yeah oh absolutely I I feel like almost all because of the dualities of everything in her life and her public persona and her private persona I feel like almost all of her songs have double meanings. Yeah. Um, or are written to two people and totally. about navigating a relationship between her and two other things. And even just navigating 
her public persona and what everyone in the public thinks she's up to and her actual yeah. feelings and her actual life. And here's here's another good transition too that the one and Willow are related Being to the each first other. Track. Yeah. I don't I couldn't find a connection that was mm. super concrete between the two mm-hmm. or even lyrically, but um I think just that is a good connection. The fact that <laughs> they're both mean to Joe. <laughs> they're both mean to to Joe and completely like switch the bait. Well, because here's the thing. I feel like the one is like, it would be really fun if you were the one for me. And the man is like, I'm begging for you to take my hand and wreck my plans and say, that's my man. Wreck my plans. Like my plans of being in this relationship with like, a boy for five years like those are my plans mm-hmm. like but I'm begging for you this other person to come and wreck my plans like it's like come yeah. save me what if yeah. you were the one come yeah. take me and like destroy my plans for the future that's my man that's my man all you have to do is say that's my man like I think that it's a, the thing that will wreck my plans that I want mm-hmm. you to do is to claim me as your man Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. want you to say that's my man. Taylor mm-hmm. Swift is my man. Yeah. Which I think is why, you know, she was called by Fletcher the fucking man. Why uh-huh. everyone refers to her as king. Like I am convinced that if she was in the right place, right fr- frame of mind, she would end the man with I'm your I would be your man. Mm. Like I think that's what she like wants to say. Like she wants to be the man. She wants she wants someone to grab her hand and say, That's my man. That's my man. So that's um, like the same as the one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wreck yeah. my plans. You are yeah. the one. Remember? You were the one. Also in the original um demo of Willow at the very, very end of it her last that's my man that like closes out the song she oh. says that's my myth and then she even like if you listen to it like on youtube or whatever you can hear her go that's my myth and then she goes like emphasizing the that she didn't say man but she's a myth um, that's so that's really interesting that, i mean that's even more than interesting that's like one of those like solid holy grail type yes. gayler proofs yeah, and I feel like no one really talks about it because it's such a, you can't really tell that she's saying it, but you can tell like that she does a little at the end. So it's like, and why keep that in? You know, you could have cut it. I'm not sure I have much more to say about Willow. Actually, Mm-mm. Well, the music video I could talk about for a minute. Yeah, please talk about the uh, the stems. And yeah. Madison, at one point during a Gaylor group, we did a music video breakdown episode or episode like, group theme yeah madison broke down willow for us and it was really great that was in like when i was at my in the trenches of gaylorism i was like up every night doing things because i was just like this doesn't make sense um in the willow stems i noticed that there's like a little glitch kind of at the end of the song i don't have the exact time stamps like right now um but there's a little part after she says that's my man and it just kind of glitches the little instrumental and i can't unhear it now even in the original but if you watch the music video those glitches line up to the exact frames in the music video where she 
has to follow that gold thread or that gold string thing that leads her back into the cabin away from like dancing with the witches and everything. The glitches line up, all of them line up to when she grabs the rope, to when she sees the man in the cabin, to when she holds the man's hand in the cabin. They line up to very significant parts of the music video. So I always thought that that was such a weird hidden thing that I don't even know if I was just in like, my crazy detective era that I like pulled that out of thin air and it's just a coincidence but Taylor did do all of the creative directing for Willow and Cardigan and she brought the director time frames and timestamps for each frame she wanted it very specific and exact so it wouldn't surprise me if it was on purpose these glitches in the song happening when she's following this quote-unquote invisible string to the man just I think that's just a really smart and crazy reading i love it um but yeah i think that's everything we have to say about willow so track number two which is i guess i didn't find this out till recently it's kind of infamously her single track in her track list the second song is always like the single like on folklore it was cardigan yeah and then this one it's champagne problems which definitely not not single material no it what number what track number was cruel summer three or two i believe two i thought two two yeah so and it was supposed to be a single eventually well people say it it was supposed to be a single people say yeah i can't imagine that song not being a single i mean yeah things plans got wrecked you could say yeah (laughs) you could say i don't know i don't feel like it's that consistent that two was her single number well it was until Lover. Endgame was her single on rep. And I then... Mean, um, 1989, what's... what's Number two was Blank Space. Yeah, I found that really interesting. I saw someone post about that in the Reddit, and I was like, huh, I never noticed that. Yeah. But well, Red, makes me... Red is Red, so yeah, that is true. Oh, Maybe it yeah. is true until Lover, yeah. Um, gee, yeah, Champagne Problems is a weird one to be your single song. Yeah. But it yeah. is the one that she posted a video singing in celebration of the nomination. True. That is it's true. In her wedding the one that, Yeah, it's the one I feel we might get a video for at some point because she referenced it in All Too Well. That felt like a weird Easter egg. So That's so true. Wow. The idea that that might be a single is so interesting. I wonder if it was ever submitted it- as a single and just not picked up. Oh, because I know Exile was submitted as a single, but no one knew that. And so was Coney Island. Oh, that's bizarre. Right. Taylor is a very strange anomaly in the recording (laughs) industry. Yeah. Like she's so famous. Everyone's listening to her music, but like none of it's on the radio. Like that's so weird. The only Taylor song I've heard from Folklore Evermore on the radio is Willow. And Cardigan. I've never heard Cardigan on the radio. Where does champagne problems fall on your ranking? 14. It's 15 on mine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. Let me be honest. My first impressions of champagne problems, I really did not like it. And I didn't know why. And I still don't really know why. I don't like it either. Um, I agree the same way. Like Lizzie really likes champagne problems. And more importantly than that, she really like is adamant about figuring out like what all the symbols mean like a lot I think it's just one of those songs that's so heavy with imagery that like 
she just really connects to songs like that and is always like what could this reference be to that like what is Mm. trying to figure it out but to me I'm just like the story the story of it isn't that interesting to me yeah I, I like some parts like I always get excited at um this dorm was once a madhouse well I made a joke then it's made for me and then like however great our group of friends like I love I love the bridge and like she would have made such a lovely bride yeah yeah of course what a shame she's yeah what a shame she's fucked in the head like so good and it did make me cry watching her sing that song in a wedding dress I was like (laughs) I love my gay aunt so much yeah so that was great Thank you for bringing up This Storm Was Once a Madhouse. That was like one of the only notes I made about this song. It made me think of Cornelia Street, her apartment there. I don't know. I feel like when she says madhouse, she means it's just like, it's gay. Like when I think about dorms and I think about like the way that they used to be so gendered, yeah, it's gay. Like I'm like, the girlies it's love hanging gay. out in the dorms with their other girlies. Like, yeah. So when she says this dorm was once a madhouse, and then the joke is that she said, "Well, it's made for me." Like, well, it's made for me because I can I can run around with all my girlies in this yeah, well, in this madhouse. I always heard that line as, you know, her just being like so self deprecating and alone. Like, oh, oh, it's an insane asylum, like a madhouse, an insane asylum. Like it's made for me then oh. because I'm fucked in the head. And I always see her her mad or like fucked in the head. Like those references mm-hmm. is her referencing her being gay because everyone used to see it as a mental illness. Exactly. Me too. Women used to be sent to the madhouse for being gay. So yeah, that makes sense. Champagne Problems is a very bell jar song. It yes. just has those various like 1960s, like I was expected to marry you and then I couldn't marry you because like I'm a lesbian who's like mentally ill and I'm fucked in the head and I'm fucked in the head like that's it's a very like alternate reality bell jar like that could very well have been how her story went and Yeah. yeah so I do kind of like it for that reason because it's like a classic being gay used to be considered a mental illness and you would be literally fucked in the head and like your husband or your fiance like wouldn't marry you and something I've been thinking about a lot recently is the evergreen group of friends yeah so I have three notes about this you let me know which ones you agree with disagree with (laughs) okay first one Emily and Sue, their property was kind of nicknamed Evergreens to them. And historically, they used to live on the same property in separate houses. And Emily would often write about, like, walking through the Evergreens to go see Sue. Wow. So there's A. B, the meaning of Evergreen, like, definition is having enduring freshness, success, or popularity. So another meaning, their friends are all very successful popular whatever mm-hmm. the last meaning which is what I always saw it as right off the bat from my first impression green with envy and oh. um kind of how it's used in the song riptide all of my friends mm-hmm. are turning green because you're the magician's assistant in their mm-hmm. dreams um which she has covered the song riptide uh during I believe her 1989 era at BBC mm-hmm. so that's what makes me think when she says, don't think we'll say that word again, she could be talking about friends because maybe all of, they're not all friends anymore. 
maybe the subject and her aren't friends anymore. But I also think she could be saying that word in reference to Evergreen because of what it means in the Riptide song and to Emily and Sue and like the reference of it being so gay, you know? Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I'm so glad you literally broke it down. I have always heard that line as saying how evergreen, meaning like, I always heard it as never get old, like Mm -hmm. never goes out of style, like always stays true. And then I'll never say that word. I'll never say that word again. I always heard it as our. Oh, how evergreen our group of friends. It's not ours anymore. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'll never say our ours again because we there is no us there's no ours yeah damn this is the this is why champagne problems intrigues me i don't love the song but it yeah it's one of those that i just never have put together in a solid understanding in my head because of things like Mm -hmm. that like i never even thought about that and now there's multitudes to that you know Uh, also i've been on like a weird crack theory about her writing ed sheeran songs some of them (laughs) like ghostwriting or something And it just made me also think about, um, fuck, I don't remember the name of his song where he says, your soul could never grow old, it's evergreen. Oh. And there's a video of Taylor at Jingle Jingle Ball watching Ed Sheeran perform this song. And specifically this part, there's a video of her with William Bowery. It's the one where everyone was saying that tree It's the one that it doesn't look like him at all. That it doesn't look like Mr. Bowery. (laughs) No, it it looks like maybe just like a fan she's with. Yeah, Um, it looks like like an understudy. Blonde man. Yeah, it's just like a stand-in. Maybe it could could literally be William Bowery. Maybe that's William Bowery. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's William Bowery. (laughs) Uh, Find that video if you want. I don't know, someone. But she's literally in the crowd listening to Ed perform and she's singing that part. And she looks straight into the camera and she goes, evergreen. Like she sings it so happily. And like, that's bizarre. That's really bizarre. I'm so glad that you're familiar with Ed Sheeran's music and was able to recognize that's what she was singing. I'm not um, proud of it, but I was a very big um, Ed Sheeran fan from the time that I was like 12. And I like just pretending that Taylor could have written the songs. I love just, that. I think it's fun to hear you know, a man's perspective. <laughs> love that, that like all this time, apparently like taylor was singing from a man's perspective but actually no, that's why i love been it singing from a woman's perspective so you call it x because i heard online when i looked up the album after you told me this theory that it's yeah. referred to as multiply it is supposed to be multiply i just say x because they sound weird saying multiply you know what yeah. multiply reminds me of that little rap that was on vine that was like oh had the word multiply semi-ade automatic that one then multiply yeah exactly. yeah <laughs> is that a That's song it, on the album uh taylor ghost wrote that actually <laughs> <laughs> and of course someone pointed out not very long ago it kind of went viral on tiktok that she says someone's on their knees and asks you so they're not asking on one knee like a proposal they're yeah. begging yeah i think that's fascinating too because it traditionally like it's a more equitable equitable 
not mm. equal e- egalitarian that's the mm. word it's mm-hmm. a more egalitarian way of proposing is on your knees and like a lot of gay couples will propose on two knees as opposed to it but it's oh. also yeah so that's very interesting too the idea that it would be someone of the same gender proposing uh if you're on both of your knees yeah and at the same time I just think that it's such a smart evoking both asking the question on one knee or whatever and begging Mm -hmm. like was it really a a proposal that she's talking about like a ring proposal or was it like please 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 like we can make this work and the desperation of being on two knees is very different yeah because if you're proposing to someone you probably shouldn't be on your knees begging you know yeah and I agree I don't think that this song is about a marriage proposal with a ring maybe a ring was involved but I don't think that it's about what she makes it sound like it's about with all the imagery of like yeah your mom's ring and this and that I think that was just to paint the picture more so of like someone asked begged for a level of commitment that she couldn't give or that whoever she's writing about couldn't give mm-hmm. she ends it like saying she'll patch up the tapestry that i shred which tapestry is an album by carol king yeah who taylor loves we love um i love carol king i love the tapestry album and in her album uh she compares a tapestry to someone's life so mm-hmm. she's basically Taylor's saying she'll patch up like your life that I just like shredded and destroyed by by refusing this offer yeah I love Taylor in a position to be the one breaking up with someone it's really nice to hear that kind of control and independence in her voice I don't know I feel like I talk a lot about how much I love single Taylor and the idea of like a single Mm -hmm taylor and like her just living her life and like feeling great about it and that is one reason i really like the tone and vibe of the song is that she is sorry but she's not going to live a lie Mm -hmm. to appease this person yeah and she's not going to like do something that doesn't feel right to her and sorry if that makes me crazy like sorry if i'm fucked in the head because of it but i'm not going to do it and I'm like, I really just want that for her all the time. Yes. I hope that's the life she's living. I really don't. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. So I hope that any sort of sadness and loneliness she has is because she had to make those calls and those decisions for her own sake. And that yes. resulted in loneliness. But it's like champagne problems isn't that sad because it's like, at least you made the choice. At least yeah. you're on that that night train, you know? There's a lot of acceptance there too, by just being like, you'll find the real thing. She'll patch up the life that I destroyed and she'll hold your hand and do all the things that I could have. And I can't give that to you. Yeah. It's such a like honest, vulnerable position for Taylor, someone who, who doesn't own up to, to things very often. And yeah, I'll talk about that more in one of these songs I don't remember but she just she doesn't apologize often it's not often her being the one that like ends things from what we hear she's always being left and even if this song wasn't written in her perspective I agree it's nice to hear her 
sing from that place anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I will, I don't think any of us will ever fully understand that song. Yeah. I would love for her to really go deep into like what, I mean, that's one thing that it would be nice about Long Pond Studio Sessions, but um, I can't bear a explanation of any of these songs. So. Well, the explanation for this song is that it was written like inspired by Austin Swift's um, college experience, a story that he heard about on campus when he was in college because uh, his friend proposed to and was rejected. And they say that it was his college because they have like a place called like the landing or something. So I guess... And William Bowery also was had a hand in the song allegedly, so that's another reason really? people think Austin. I didn't know William Bowery did the song. Yeah, yeah. So wow. people think Austin Swift could be William Bowery, uh, especially because of that. Um, I don't know how it would connect with Cardigan. Also, those two. Well, varsity cardigans uh, for mm. colleges. Now we get into the gayest of the gay, Ms. Gold yes. Rush. The official Archer's branded gayest song on Evermore. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I know there's people that are going to be like, what are you talking about? And I agree. I go back and forth in my head. But if yeah. you just listen, yeah. like the minute that Gold Rush comes on is when I'm always reminded. I'm like, no, this is the gayest one. This I can think it's one. Ivy and Cowboy Like Me and Dorothea. All I want. It's Gold Rush. It's Gold Rush. Yeah. Where's this on your I ranking? Mine is third. I love this song oh yeah mine is number seven which now oh, that i'm looking that's at it high. so yeah gold rush i love this song oh the most heavenly kind of you know ocean seaside town so close to my heart having grown up in a seaside town mm-hmm. i love picturing her on the cape mm-hmm. i love picturing her in big sur you know just yes. some of the like ocean side places that she's been photographed in um and I just love picturing it I I love the heartache and the sassiness you know that she's like mourning but it's like she doesn't want to let the person know that she's mourning yeah and it's like well everyone wants you and I don't like that like that's actually bad I don't like a gold rush anyway exactly I like love that whiny bratty Taylor so much it's like she's like stomping her foot and she's like well I don't like a gold rush so like a double vision in rose blush yeah (laughs) yeah I just I I like this Taylor and then especially because it slips in to the like really heavenly kind of like far away vocals of like dreaming sinking like eyes like singing like it's it's so soft it's literally like she's on a beach and then you just can hear that on the wind like in the waves oh it's so so good I really like the visuals or like I guess it's not it is visual though she describes mm-hmm. a lot of like visual things but you can like feel because like I think Jack said that it's like a daydream that you like find yourself lost in and then you snap out of it and that's like why there's two separate kind of parts of the song 
like when you hear this song, you can see her gray day old tea and her like looking at it, getting lost in this, like thinking about this person's eyes and like almost wanting to act and not acting. But then you realize you're like in a daydream anyway, so it doesn't matter. I love, oh, this song is so good and very underrated as just like a wonderful Taylor Swift song and as a yeah. Gaylor song, but like, it's it's very good. I think it's, Jack said it's his favorite one on Evermore too. Mm, really? Did Jack, mm-hmm. and Jack produce this song? I believe so, yeah. I see me padding across your wooden floors oh. with my Eagles t-shirt hanging from the door. Like, oh, that line there's just something about the rhythm of it and the sound of the d's of padding and my eagle's t-shirt like so relaxed so casual taylor yeah hanging from the door like so free so wild and there's so much debate about if that's an Eagles t-shirt for the band or if it's an Eagles t-shirt for the football team from Pennsylvania. And yeah. I don't know which one it is, but either way. Bo- both are so queer. Yeah, both either way, so a band either tee way. or a football tee hanging from the door while she's padding across the wooden floors. I know, it's like those tender moments breaking through and then getting right back into at dinner parties I call you out on your contrarian shit mm-hmm. and the coastal town we wandered around then and then at this point like still had never seen a love as pure as it mm-hmm. like this idea like our love was pure mm-hmm. oh and it is pure that's the other thing is that this song has such a purity to it oh this was um the only time she references folklore on on this album she says my mind turns your life into folklore every line I'm remembering from this song I'm just like oh that's actually my favorite line oh that's actually my favorite line yes and my mind turns your life into folklore I can't dare to dream about you anymore that is the most beautiful couplet in history in the last millennia like I wish I could live in the song yeah I really do it feels like this song has every stage of grief in it Mm. all in a very randomized order and just kind of like cycling through the stages over and over again aka how grief works no exactly exactly yeah like yeah it's like that's what kills me about the five stages of grief is that people think it's linear no it's no it's a circle and you repeat it and you repeat it and acceptance is absolutely something you're going to be repeating and then going yeah. back to. Like, yes. there's no there's no end for grief. I'm really sorry. Just like, just like <laughs> she accepts it when she's like, but it could never be. And then she yes. goes into, and then she starts singing again. And she's like, sinking eyes. Like, <laughs> she's like, I, but I'm still thinking about you, but it could never be. And at dinner yeah. parties, I called you out on, and I'm pissed. But also, yeah. I see me padding across your wooden floor. And- <laughs> And the bargaining of like, I actually don't like this. Like that manic bargaining state of like, actually, like I can't, I'm not sad about this and I won't be because uh, I never liked you and I don't like this. And then it's like, oh, by the way, this is the purest love I've ever known. And I wish that I could drown in you. (laughs) 
also not to mention that this reference to gold comes after invisible strings reference to gold of mm. a single thread of gold tied me to you but here she is saying i don't like gold i don't like a gold rush so it's like just can you make your decision babes i thought i thought you thought love was burning red but it's golden but now you're saying that you don't like that you don't like a gold rush that's the most depressing part of this whole thing is that she went from I thought I once thought love was burning red I once thought love was black and white but it's golden I only want to sing about things that I love like aka I only want to sing about golden things I love Mm -hmm. golden like golden like daylight I can see finally and then two albums later I don't like a gold rush like I don't cut to like her this. singing about everything she doesn't like yeah exactly it's really sad progression it's there. devastating it's it's and so that, fucked up that part has been um kind of coming back up on tiktok I feel like the I once believed love would be burning red but it's golden and all I can think about is this song like completely overriding that like I still think it's such a sweet line but she literally goes into saying two albums later I don't like a gold rush it also it parallels the last great American dynasty. That's so fascinating to me because both of those songs, like the gold rush took place in the past and mm-hmm. great American dynasty took place in the past. It's like East coast, West coast. Mm-hmm. Like and meanwhile, oh. in Rhode Island, like, you know, the great capitalists, like the, the standard oil out here yeah, filling Rebecca her pool with champagne and on the west coast we have a gold rush like all uh-huh. of that sort of uh you know excess and yeah. uh scramble for money that's yeah. interesting i didn't even think about those two they definitely didn't take place in the same exact time like no, but it's both like history both historical and both like about american capitalism both in coastal towns exactly that's exactly right so Hmm. i mean i wonder if gold rush could be about watch watch hill is that is that where the yeah rhode island yeah yeah in just the coastal rhode island i think the only other note i have here is how she says um falling feels like flying till the bone crush which another amazing line this song is written so good but that line connects to so many other times of her talking about broken bones and waiting for you to cut to the bone in cruel summer when your brooklyn broke my skin and bones in the recent all too well 10 minute version um king of my heart my broken bones are mending you would still miss me in your bones uh my tear ricochets um right to the bone enclosure on this album all we are skin and bones trying to get along I just bones are a key I think Mm -hmm. that's like she when she talks about embodiment and she talks about like the embodiedness of her feelings typically bone is where she goes yeah like there's she very rarely will talk about like flesh or Mm -hmm. like anything like that it's if like the way that she feels pain in her body and stress and trauma in her body is a bone feeling yeah like that's really what I get and just that idea that falling is literally flying until it hurts until you're not yeah until you're not it never you really don't realize that you're not flying 
until you've hit the ground. Like what goes up must go down. Yeah. And there's no warning for it. You know, Mm -hmm. like you don't get to do a smooth landing when you're falling and how devastating it is to be in the air, not being able to trust whether you're flying or falling. We're seeing the cynical side of the Taylor that is so proud to be vulnerable and mm-hmm. so proud to let her heart be broken. Mm-hmm. Gold Rush is like that period in between when she's like, it actually fucking sucks to have your heart broken. Mm-hmm. And it being vulnerable is awful, which is like the natural state that all of us have to be in in order to mm-hmm. like heal and be vulnerable again. <laughs> it's a part of grieving. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you're not allowed to pick at your wounds while they heal. Yeah. It's like the, the snap out of the daydream is like just as sudden as like her falling and like hitting the ground bone crush. And now she's ah. staring at her Dale T and she's like, oh yeah. I like that. She says sinking ships too. Like, because Willow opens up with like, I'm like the water when your ship rolled in. And then she's like, your eyes are like sinking ships. And I mean, I thought immediately of I know places, loose mm-hmm. lips sink ships, but not this time. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, um, is it this love? This love, yeah. Losing grip and sinking ships. Mm. I never dreamed of this. Fourth song on the album is tis the damn season tis the damn season what a fun song this is i love showing this song to non-swifties very random yeah i think that's that makes perfect sense to me it's like a very like you thought you knew taylor but you don't it's so undeniably good as just a song as music like aaron desner's little guitar is one of the most comforting sounds I've ever heard I remember hearing this album for the first time and I was like this one's my favorite the second I heard the guitar didn't even she didn't even start singing I was just like holy shit like um it is number four on my ranking as well it is number four on mine too and it's number four on the track list oh my goodness oh that is so weird four 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 yeah um it mirrors exile from folklore which is track mm. four. Which okay, so what was your connection between those two? So when we think of exile, it's, you know, you were my town. Now I'm in exile seeing you out. So kind of being exiled from your hometown, if you will. Oh, yes. And then in Tis the Damn Season, she returns to the hometown that she was exiled from and finds her old flame still waiting there. Is kind yeah. of just how I see the connection. It always leads to you in my hometown. I love that. Um, I just, this song really is just like such, it's it's really great that it's like right after Gold Rush because we're still in like sassy, cynical Taylor. I just picture her driving around town, you know, being kind of like annoyed, being cynical. I mean, this song was the first one written for Evermore too, and it was written at Long Pond in like the middle of the night. She said she was drunk and she wrote it and showed it to Aaron the next morning, which is mm. super interesting too, because that would have been like her first time back in the state of New York after moving out of New York City. Yeah. The town that she was kind of exiled from, I guess. Oh, I love that. Oh, what a good point. 
they'll picture her like drunk in upstate New York being like, I could take the road back down to my hometown. <laughs> and, you know, like we can call it even. This is fine. <laughs> no, she's not even hungover the next morning. She's drunk still. Poor Taylor. <laughs> no, I'm picturing her writing it that night. Sorry. Oh, that night. <laughs> it's like another part of her daydream. Like the bridge of this song is so interesting. I'll go back to LA and the so-called friends who will write books about me or who will write books about me if I if I ever make it. Like what an interesting little cosplay she's doing. Right. Um, she was like, like this is Dorothea's perspective. Yeah. As Dorothea. So as Dorothea, I picture her as like 20, 22, around that age. You know, her like little August, maybe like very similar mm-hmm. to August, how this person is in their life. Like, I don't know, just a mm. hometown little like friend that's like more than friends, but like mm-hmm. you could never really picture it being real. Because it was the road not taken. So this isn't like a super established relationship, which is why exactly. it does remind me of August. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an ex per se. It's not like there was a formal breaking up. It's yeah. kind of just like, this is the life I could have, but I literally can't because I want to become famous. And the friends that I do have will just write a tell all about me if I become mm-hmm. famous. So why am I leaving my best friend who's like bed I can trust yeah. to go be with these people who don't care about me? Oh, it's yeah. so that I can be famous. That's right. Right. And it's like, oh, Taylor, that is devastating. Mm -hmm. Literally, like the only reason I'm not still with you or not even still still with you. But the only reason we we can't be together is because I have to choose my career. Yeah. And it's like this person, the person singing Dorothea and the person this song is directed to, like, I don't think she or they have that much going on. Mm hmm. Like Dorothea, that song is just like, I will just watch you in my phone from a distance. And I know you're going to make it because I would buy anything from you. Yeah. And it's like the only reason it's not like I have my own life going on here. I love being in this hometown. It's like, I'm not following you and... I'm not following you because you don't want me to because it won't work you chose that and if you want to come back to my side then you can and then this is the other person or I guess this would be Dorothea talking into the damn season being Mm -hmm. like I can come back to your side for the weekend that's why I also love the line there's an ache in you put there by the ache in me yeah so painful reminds me of are you really going to let all your damage damage me from Renegade? Mm. Very evermore adjacent song to me. Um, yeah. And just again, that kind of like pining that we see in all of her songs. Completely. I, I'm so glad you brought up Renegade because I feel like Renegade could easily have been the response to Dorothea. Mm-hmm. like as opposed to what the door as opposed to Dorothea the song we could have gotten renegade and that would be the other half it's yeah. like yeah 
Are you really going to talk about timing in times like these? You're going to let all your damage damage me just because you want to be mine for the weekend? Yeah. And I carried your baggage like literally Mm -hmm. to my room because you're going to sleep over. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, like sleeping in uh, and Mm. opening the blinds. Uh Uh-huh. The the way that it starts off, if I wanted to know who you were hanging with Mm. while I was gone, I would have asked you. It's like, oh, that is so like Taylor's really on. I don't like a gold rush. Exactly. If I I wanted wanted to know. know, I would have asked. Yeah. I'm just here to sleep in half a day. Such a disdain for their former friend group. Mm, However green our group of friends, I'm not going to say that word again because they are not still my friends. Yeah. Like, I don't want to know who you are hanging out with. You're the only one that I care about. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't make that connection. Yeah. But yeah, it's like assuming that that's their hometown like she's not like hanging out with other people she's like only wants to see this friend mm-hmm. this like more than friend obviously this is also her cosplaying as like a college student almost again yeah. of like i'm home for the holidays it sounds very i think she had it in mind that people would relate to it in that way like people totally. in their 20s kind of coming home from college and reigniting old flames is such a common like thing I also love the idea of her writing the line, I'm staying at my parents' house um, while staying with Aaron at Long Pond. Something about that is like very heartwarming to me. Wait, like, that's she's the like, cutest thing I've ever heard. I'm with my parents, Aaron, and I don't know who Aaron's um, partner is, but I'm with my parents. I'm at my parents' house. Aaron's my parent. Like That is the cutest thing I've ever heard, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah like picture her calling someone that's down in the city and being like hey I'm staying <laughs> with Aaron write down the address like, I don't think I have anything else um but I do love this song so much me too I, it. I it's so good it's such a bop and I love how another thing that I didn't mention is that I love how Dorothea's like so assuming this is from Dorothea's perspective she's like obviously they're having sex like her and this person like they're in bed together they're like very intimate like they it's amazing and then Dorothea the song is like so shy like it's almost like you would think that they had never they hadn't talked in so long like she's like they're really like are you still the same soul whom we met under the bleachers right that's why though it's it's not an established super like super established romantic relationship so it's like from Dorothea's perspective you know like from Dorothea's perspective she's like oh I've always thought of you in this way but then from the other person's perspective it's like you could come back to my side if you want very innocent shy friendly platonic I feel like that's the real evidence that these are two girls talking to each other because the one that's like, well, I don't know what her boundaries are. Like she only talks to me like two weekends out of the year. Like to me, like I have other people going on, you know, like she's just like one, uh, like I, it's really nice how the person singing Dorothea seems to have more going on emotional like emotions wise yeah even though she doesn't have as much going on like she's not in LA LA. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like, okay, still though, Dorothea is like, this is my road not taken. Like, it's so exciting yeah. to be someone's road not taken. Especially when they're out in LA living like this crazy life and yet you're still and on then- their mind so much more than they're on your mind for you. Yeah. Like, that's really cool for the object of this song. And like, that's why they're like, yeah, Dorothea, like, I do really like you a lot. And like, if you wanted to make this real, I would drop everything and make it real for you. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm not about to write you a love song because you know that. And like, you must not really want to be with me because you're not telling me to drop everything. Yeah. And like, oh, what an amazing position to be in. Yeah. You have this like famous Dorothea wrapped around your finger. Yeah. Yeah. And then being so good at boundaries that you're and like, still being you like, make the call. I'll take you for the weekend, babe, but that's it. Yeah. Like, sorry, you have go to back to go back to LA. But if you ever decide that, like, you want to make this real, I'm here. <laughs> and I'll get to it in Dorothea, but it reminds me of how, like, the way that she says, um, are you still the same soul I met under the bleachers? Like, are you still the same soul when we were younger? do you still feel those feelings for me that we never really named, but are they still there? I can't wait to get to Dorothea after this. Wow. Okay. Track five is tolerate it. Track fives are infamous for Taylor's most vulnerable Mm -hmm. songs, I guess. Mm -hmm. And this song, I can't see it translated in any other way other than being like singing to like homophobic parents or to figures Mm -hmm. in your life that, yeah. that aren't accepting of you I can't picture it that way either I mean I don't know if people haven't heard the interview that she did with a radio station a while ago like back in lover era in 2019 she I wrote verbatim- down the exact quote oh good thank you yeah yeah so it was from Elvis Duran 2019 after the release of the you need to calm down music video I like got all my facts straight for this because I want to make it very Thank clear. You. you. You know, like I'm like, yeah. it's not a coincidence. She wrote a song like this yeah. after saying this quote. She said, I feel like there are so many of my loved ones, friends and fans who they're in the LGBT community and they go through life either being vocally or verbally judged and criticized. We're wondering if the people around them are silently judging them or wondering if people around them are just tolerating the way that they are. And I think that's really unfair. What an interesting thing for an ally to say, huh? Well, and then she says, um, I, I wanted to make it clear that I'm not just tolerating them. I, or I'm not just tolerating you. I'm celebrating you. Right. I missed that so whole she, last part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did say that part too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's why we work together, isn't it? Exactly. Um, <laughs> so I it has to be like it just that so then she was like that's something that I feel in my bones that like I don't want to just be tolerated I want to be celebrated like I'm such a good girl all the time I've worked so hard to be a good girl I don't want to just be tolerated I want to be celebrated Mm -hmm. I laid the table with the fancy shit just for you Mm -hmm. I use my best colors for my portrait of you like Mm -hmm. everything I say about you is I make it so pretty I make it so nice Mm -hmm. and yet you don't celebrate my love 
you just mm-hmm. tolerate it. How do you think that makes me feel? Like, what a good, oh, I love it. I love it. Like, this is the gay song. And it's her track five. So the fact that Hitler's want to push it on us, yep. that this is from a different perspective. It's and for the gay, it's from a, not written from her perspective. Her perspective. It's about someone else coming out of the closet. Wah, wah, wah. This Katie snapped. (laughs) (laughs) You can say it about any other song in the world, but not a track five. Exactly. Don't try to come and tell me. I don't think any Hitler's listening to this. I probably should stop saying you, you, you. But like, if they try to come and be like, on the Apple Music commentary, Taylor said this book. This was about Rebecca, the book Rebecca. And it's like, actually, let me tell you a little something about the book Rebecca. The book Rebecca is one of the most infamously lesbian sapphic books in the history of American literature. I think it's British. It's British. I don't know why I said American literature. Um, And it literally like was made into a Hitchcock film that is about like the evils of lesbianism. And that's like how much of an allegory this is for like the heterosexual trope of the evil lesbian and like the predatory lesbian. Rebecca is one of the most sapphic like historic historical books that you can name drop. The only fucking reason in the world Taylor Swift said that this song was inspired by Rebecca was to like signal to her Gaylor fans being like, yes, bitch, I'm queer. This song is what you think it is. I'm convinced that's the only reason she would name drop Rebecca, name drop Rebecca, because guess what? This song makes zero sense in the context of that book. There is like no overlapping understanding themes. Like it could vaguely be about like the straight couple who like Rebecca's like haunting or whatever. It could kind of be about that, but it's like, why would you focus on the most boring part of the book? for this and like make like fan fiction about it that doesn't actually line up with it like it's very confusing so therefore I don't want to hear it I don't want to hear it this song is obviously about how she doesn't want her love her gayness to just be tolerated she wants it to be a crucial part of herself and help people understand her and celebrate her holy shit Katie I have never um looked up that book the Rebecca book I know that that's all the Hitlers say is, well, she said it was inspired by this book, actually. And they've probably never even read the book or, and don't know that it's a sapphic book. Exactly. I didn't know exactly. that it was a sapphic book. I honestly thought it was just another weird, like, novel that she was, like, trying to... It's one of the, the most famously sapphic books. And the, the Hitchcock movie is, like, one of the most famously, like, anti-lesbian propaganda movies. Because it's, like, oh. a, a perfect capture of like the predatory lesbian like the evil lesbian oh my god that's so good to know holy shit i'm so glad that you have that fucking knowledge again this is why we do it together because i i i never took the time to look up the rebecca book i just kind of like took the song for what it was and i was like fuck you hitlers but (laughs) that makes so much sense why she would credit that book to being an inspiration for this song to get the hitlers some sort of narrative to roll with that it's not from taylor's perspective but to also signal the gaylers at the same time the idea that swifties would be like oh my god i have to read that book and taylor's just making them read like his 
historical <laughs> lesbian fiction. Same with Ivy, like the Dickinson reference. Yes! Like, she's like, good luck, guys. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. So the track five for folklore is My Tears Ricochet. Oh uh, yeah. So that's a that's like very similar. I mean, all, I would love to eventually do an episode where we just track the similarities of all track fives. Mm-hmm. Because like the concept of her having track fives like really allows for that. Yeah. What they mean. And a lot of people say that the song is about her dad, which I could totally see it interpreted that way, especially that's kind of the connection I made between my Tears Ricochet and the song actually because my Tears Ricochet people kind of credit it to being about like the master's heist and just like everything yeah. she went through with Scooter Braun and everything and it's kind of public information I think that her dad was also involved in that heist transaction and not on taylor's side on the side of uh big machines so the connection i made between tolerate it and my tears ricochet is that they could both be geared towards her dad in some way i mean we saw his reaction to her just wanting to say that she was a democrat and miss americana so i can't imagine that he would be the most celebratory about her being gay or wanting to celebrate that publicly i mean we just like don't know anything about her dad that's the thing but like yeah. in the film in miss americana it did absolutely seem what like we do andrea... know isn't good exactly and we saw andrea being very celebratory of taylor yeah but we did not see her dad being celebratory we saw him <laughs> truly at best tolerating her mm-hmm. so I think that that makes perfect sense why people think that it's about her dad. It's also the exact same time, like length. The song is the same length as the best day Taylor's version. I didn't Um, know that. Yeah, which is a song about her mom that like, you know, name drops her dad as well. So the fact that the timestamp is the same is like pretty heart-wrenching. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, Taylor does use timestamps too to like symbol things. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it would make sense in her saying, like, I use my best colors for your portrait. Like, I've, I've made you look like a good father in my career. And the very, like, the reason I, another comparison to that is in the best day when she says, I have an incredible father. Yeah no one ever thought anything bad of him until Miss Americana I think and yeah she's like I use my best colors for your portrait but you just tolerate me so I'm done with doing that basically yeah yeah and there is a scene in Miss Americana where she and her dad are like in the kitchen and they're like cooking it's like a very glimpse like quick scene but they're like in the kitchen and she's like getting the dishes ready to set the table and like it's <sighs> too too obvious in that one you know I mean that's the thing about Taylor is that she loves referring to things that the public knows mm-hmm. she like, like the Elvis Duran quote little, yes little things yes. like buzzwords like that yeah yes so and that we can make connections like this the drawing hearts and the byline thing is so interesting to me I don't know if it's like a reference to like William Bowery vibes is what it gives me because byline is like yes the author yeah exactly and I also love the line gain the weight of you then lose it how it connects to all too well the 10 minute version I'm a soldier who's returning half her weight 
Exactly. That's all I thought of too. Especially because again, that is like right after she talks about her dad in the song. Yeah. And all the times she's referenced her dad or a dad in folklore and evermore were not positive context. Leaving no, like a leave, father. Leaving like a father. My daddy made me get a boating license when I was 15. I don't know. I like and in the context of the song, a good thing my daddy made me get a voting license when I was 15, right? 15 or 16? Yeah, 15. 15. I, it's like, a good thing my dad gave me the tools to commit murder. <laughs> yeah, to do this awful act. Yes. <laughs> he knew I would need it. Like, he knew oh. I would need it. Yeah. And then like, even, sorry to skip right ahead to nobody, no crime, but um like I've cleaned enough houses like that is very like I've done the thing that a woman is supposed to do yeah and like I've been a cleaner enough to know how to polish the plates until they gleamed and glistened bitch oh my god yeah so like it's like good thing that my dad taught me how to be this like cruel person yeah in in nobody no crime anyway I like I feel so bad speculating on like Taylor's relationships. Like I have daddy issues. Like who doesn't like I, yeah. Like relationships with fathers are fucked up. It doesn't mean that we don't like, you know, a lot of us have fucked up relationships with our dads and still like want them to be okay, you know, Mm -hmm. and still like are grateful for when they do come through for us. Like complicated. It's, it's complicated. I don't know. I just wanted to say, I was about to say that. No, I was about to say that too. Literally. Like I wouldn't normally be one to be on this (laughs) platform like this. Cause we do try to kind of keep it more like factual, but like the thing is I wouldn't even be mentioning it being about her dad. If I truly didn't, have means to and there's just too much that makes me feel like it it really could be um and where does this fall in your ranking uh it is eighth for me but I Hmm. feel like that's not really true I feel like it would it should be farther down yeah what about you where is it for you it's number six for me oh okay and it was like one of my favorites when I first heard the album like this and tis the Mm. damn season where like my shit wow um I had kind of I don't know I've been I and the reason I loved it so much was because when I first heard it it did just sound like an abusive like romantic relationship um and I've been in a relationship like that wow so when I heard it I like was sobbing and I actually got worried for Taylor for a minute before I considered the connection of it being about her dad before anything before I even realized it might have been gay I was like I hope Taylor and Joe's relationship is healthy like that was my first thought I was like why does she feel like she's being tolerated in her own home and I was like I've been there I hope this isn't where she currently is and this isn't like a cry for help yeah that was my I was just like crying like for myself and for her and I was like I hope to god she's not in this position anymore because god knows I've been there like I'm like I hate being tolerated like that and like the silence and the walking on eggshells and all of that so but and going into no body no crime damn one after the other I don't think that I realized that it was right after each other and so right, that, me either. okay so that's a connection just within the song listing that's like a kind of a huge thing because later on we'll get to why i think cowboy like me transitions into ivy and like they're oh, part yeah. of the same story but 
this feels like part of that story too like i've cleaned enough houses because i was polishing the plates Mm -hmm. like and i my daddy who like you know the way that it's phrased it's like at least my dad did one good thing for me yes it's not like it's like well if i can it's like part of the conversation like he didn't mm-hmm. do a lot for me but at least at least he made me get my boating license when i was 15 yes because it's helping me commit this murder now no i literally wrote that i go the mention of her dad question mark seems relevant question mark out of place if anything <laughs> yeah yeah because it's again it's that frustration it's like leaving like a father energy in that like you picture her just kind of like reeling seeing red on a boat with like a dead body and her just being like good thing my daddy made me get this license huh the one thing he did right and the fact also you pointed this out to me which has given me nightmares this is the only song that she wrote on this album by herself no co-writers which is like what what? the fuck why Why did you feel the need to make a statement in this being the only one you wrote on your own? You're like, no. I don't need anyone else's input for this one. I, I've i cleaned enough houses. Isn't it so fun to think of Speak Now being all just herself and this also now being on that? <laughs> Shows how unhinged she is. Like, yes. Oh my God. Better than when you Revenge leave her followed by, by her, Yeah, you leave her by <laughs> yes. herself with a pen and you get better than revenge. You get no body, no crime. You get speak now, her interrupting someone's wedding. Like her just being the most unhinged version of herself. Like yes. I talked to Katie a little bit about this. I have no fucking idea what the story is in this song. I don't even know if I want anyone to explain it to me because I just truly... Maybe, Katie, do you know the plot? Does she end yeah. up with the mistress? Does she end up with Esty? Does she end up with anyone? What? Who okay. get- this is my understanding of the plot. And it did take me many times listening to it to understand what was going on. Okay, so she and let's call her Taylor. The narrator will call her Taylor, okay? So okay. Taylor and Esty mm-hmm. meet up every Tuesday at Olive Garden. Taylor in this world is a working class, does it like cleans houses for a living, like doesn't uh, do a lot of, isn't very fancy. That's why her and Estes meet at Olive Garden. Right. I really picture it as Esty also grew up in the same working class environment that Taylor did. Maybe they like both come from a poor background, but Esty married up. Oh, okay. She married a rich man. And I'm guessing he's probably a little older than her. He definitely has money. Yeah. And he's not afraid to lavish money on her. And definitely mm. that's probably how they courted and like got together was totally. like uh, spending a lot of money. Uh, but because, you know, she's ultimately still that poor working class girl, Esty, uh, she loves Olive Garden. So Olive Garden's like their spot that they go to. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So one Tuesday night, Esty says to Taylor, you know, I was washing his clothes and there's somebody else's lipstick on his shirt collar. I looked in our bank account and he spent a lot of money on jewelry that I never got. Like, it's not my birthday. I I think he's cheating and I'm going to talk to him about it. And Taylor's like, you go, girl. You better talk to right. him about it. Like, yeah. and 
probably is very like you know that's when she goes somebody has to catch him out yes somebody has to catch him out and she like like, snaps yeah and she's thinking to herself like i never even liked this husband to begin with yeah like she's like thank god now i have an excuse to get rid of him exactly like like thank god he's cheating on her and that's why later on she said yes and that's why later on she's like I wasn't letting up until the day he died. Like yeah. she, she was thinking of this for a long time. This just yeah. gave her an excuse to act on it. Right. Well, and the thing is, is that SD must have gone to her like rich husband and have been like, you're cheating on me. I know that you're cheating on me. And then her husband kills SD. See, that's where I was always confused. I was like, so Estee's gone because Estee's gone. he gets new truck tires. The mistress moves in. Estee's missing. That's what the part that I always get confused after. So yes. Like, so we don't know the body. Estee's body is never found. Right. Estee's just gone. She's been missing. Yeah. She's missing. And when this is where drives- there's a gap for sorry yeah no 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 um yeah exactly she's gone and taylor is like what the fuck like she wouldn't just not show up to our olive garden meetings like she might be gone from him but she would not be gone from me so something must be up so she Mm. drives past the house and is like why is his why does he have new truck tires like what did he have to hide like where did he go that he couldn't have evidence of going like clearly she's thinking like woods mud like couldn't like or like he must have left tire tracks somewhere when he was oh, burying the interesting. body i thought he was just getting new tires because he was like celebrating sd being gone or something no he oh i never thought body. about that to get rid of the evidence to get rid of the evidence and he like can't let his tires match where if a body was found right so he got brand new tires taylor's like putting the pieces together because her his mistress moved in so another question here oh yeah she says she sleeps in esty's bed and everything is she just calling it esty's bed because esty is her bestie and she's like that's esty's bed that's not their bed that's not his bed that's esty's bed or or, do the esty and the husband have two separate beds i think at this point she so she's just saying it's it's such a homoerotic song because taylor is like taylor does not want them to be together like did not want sc to be with this guy in the first place yeah and she like feels ownership over every like sc's bed like those are sc's clothes like everything is sc's because like she's in love with sd okay that yeah okay yeah so she's like oh my god like i can't believe he's done this like he just she gets it in her head that he absolutely killed her and like I mean, he probably did because he's mm-hmm. like an entitled old man that repl- like he says he's the one rep- that reported SC missing and right. yet his mistress moves in. He's not expecting SC to return. Yeah. And yeah. that means he had a hand. He had a hand. So then Taylor's like, I have to kill him. I have to kill him. So yeah. works it out with SC's sisters that they're going to say that Taylor her was alibi. with them that last night. She was with me, dude. Um, her alibi. She kills him. She cleans. She because she's a house cleaner. She cleans up the house perfectly. There's like no evidence, and because she has a boating license, she knows how to go out to the middle of the ocean, drop his body off. 
Thanks, it's God. just so exactly thank thank you dad for helping me so after she drops the body off the police are like where is he it just so happens that the mistress very selfish probably would have killed him if he had a chance just took out a life insurance policy on him which is highly suspicious so because there's no body her being suspect and it does point to that so the they think she did it is yeah. the police thinking the mistress did it and um no body no crime it's like well they never found his body so they're not going to be able to tie taylor to it and, and they never found estes exactly and that's why she couldn't let up until he died because he killed her precious uh love i start coming up with these other narratives of oh, maybe yeah. taylor and the mistress end up together and that's why mm. she's like good thing the mistress took out a big life insurance policy because now we're living good me and her baby like she didn't mind that i killed him because now me and her get to shack it up with his money i'm obsessed i love that like that's how it always ends in my head like i'm like oh she ended up with the mistress and then i realized that that wasn't a popular opinion and i was like do i not know what this song is about (laughs) i was like so confused i thought maybe like I thought even what if Esty really did just go missing and he mm-hmm. didn't do anything to her and then her and Esty actually end up together after everything settles down they like run away and Esty's like on the run pretending to be dead like I have all these other like <laughs> endings in my head so yeah, as you should like those are much happier endings than I think this like that I heard because I don't I want the, the mistress to end up alone and I don't want Taylor to end up alone not only that the mistress would end up alone in jail for murder that she didn't right but they couldn't prove it they think she did it but they can't prove it yeah i guess that's so she doesn't end up in jail that's why i always assumed they ended up together because it was just like it worked out they both were like suspects but they couldn't prove it so i really wonder if it would be a situation where it felt like a betrayal of esty to be with the mistress oh maybe esty and the mistress had something going on and maybe they had a plan together like you take out a big life insurance policy, I'll kill him, and then we can end up together. But then maybe Esty gets killed or goes missing in the process, and now it's been foiled or spoiled the whole plan. Wow. There's so many ways to go with this story. Like, But thank you for explaining that. I do feel much clearer on the fucking plot of this song. It's just the ending that is a big question mark, which I guess is kind of the point. I love I love your interpretations of that ending. Uh, those are like the the heist movies that I want to watch. Like yeah. the two girls end up together. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I real I think I'm gonna root for SD being alive and like maybe gone girling it and like she yes. faked the whole thing. Yes, that's what I, I mean. Like, I knew I should have sent you a letter. I didn't know you'd go out and kill him. <laughs> Yeah, but now they get to just like live it up. Maybe it's a throuple. The mistress, Esty, and Taylor are living off his money, just vibing together. Love it. Like, mm. uh, I love that song. I love that yeah. song. On my ranking, I don't think I have it very high, but yeah, it's 13 on my ranking under Willow. It's 16 on mine, so. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Your face. Just so matter of fact. Yeah. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I don't I, I do skip it I will say that it is probably yeah. the only song on this album that I really do skip most of the time along yep. with it's time to go but we can talk about that later <laughs> should we break this episode into two parts I'm yeah. down to take a break though because this is oh, all right god Bye. bless BRB. <laughs>